Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and in this episode, we welcome back Philippa Werner, a.k.a. author Moira Katzen, to talk about her upcoming high fantasy novel, A Sundered Throne. This is the first time on the show that we have talked about a piece of art that is yet to be released, so you literally will hear it here first. I was lucky enough to be a beta reader for this book, so I know just how amazing it is. It's so good. I'm so excited, y'all. Philippa is self-publishing, so to fund the book, she has launched a Kickstarter. And at the time of this episode releasing, the book itself is fully funded. Woohoo! However, as of now, we have about two more weeks, and we're still about $4,000 away from the stretch goal of making the audiobook, which I am on deck to narrate at least a part of. It's a multi-POV book, so we may get some other narrators involved also. If you like what you hear in this episode and want to support it, the link to the Kickstarter is in the show notes. If you can't support it yourself but feel like sharing it, that is immensely appreciated as well. Also, if you'd like to hear a sneak preview of me narrating a chapter from the book, you can hear that on both the Pairing Patreon and my personal Patreon. Links to both in the show notes. Speaking of the Patreon... Thank you so much to our newest patron, Owen Marshall, and to all of our patrons, especially our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Rebecca Joy Henrietta White, Rachel Berman, and Michael Beck, all of whom I would want on my side if a demon army were invading. So, as I announced last episode, Pairing will be going on an indefinite hiatus once we reach 100 episodes, but there's still time until then, and I really appreciate all the support on the Patreon until that time. If you'd like to support the show and get access to all sorts of extras for as little as $1 a month, come check us out at patreon.com pairingpodcast. A quick content warning for this episode, there is brief mention of suicide, so please listen at your discretion. Without further ado, here is episode 94, A Sundered Throne, with Philippa Werner, a.k.a. Moira Katzen. Well, I'm so excited to welcome back to pairing the one and only Philippa Werner, a.k.a. Moira Katzen, author extraordinaire. Hello, hello. hello. So lovely to see you. Um, yes, you too. Thank you. And uh, so this is going to be a first for pairing in that we're going to be talking about a piece of media that is technically not released yet, <laughs> which uh, I love it. I love it. You heard it here first, literally, on Pairing Podcast. Um, I'm super excited. So we are going to be talking about your upcoming epic fantasy novel, A Sundered Throne, which which I have had the great pleasure of reading at least two drafts of. I'm not sure if I've read the actual, like the final, final draft yet, but I I read. It's very close to the last one you just read. Okay. There's a lot less typos, though, which is lovely. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, there weren't that many to begin with, all things considered. So so I'll, I'll be very, very impressed. Um, so I am so excited because, um, you know, on the one hand, just as your friend, I'm really excited 
for you. Um, as a fan of this book, I'm really excited because I think people are going to love it. And then selfishly, as a voice actor and narrator, I'm super excited because hopefully if we raise enough money on the Kickstarter, we'll raise enough money to do an audiobook and yeah. I get to narrate it. I'm so excited. Woohoo! And we'll do more uh, plugging for the Kickstarter, which is which will still be going on at the time that this uh, episode is released. As of now, it just launched yesterday, and I think you've raised like seven about seven hundred and fifty dollars. That's so amazing! We're over halfway. Woohoo! Yes, thank you. Woohoo! Um, that's so exciting. I'm so so thrilled. Okay, so Philippa Moira, um, <laughs> as I as I shall refer to you from. Sure. Yeah. What how would you describe this book to to someone who knows nothing about it? Like what would be what mm. I'm, I'm sure you're sick of this, but like what <laughs> what's your what's your pitch? What's your pitch? I I keep trying to come up with something that yeah, uh, that is an elevator pitch for a multi point of view epic fantasy series. Right. Um, and I think it's it's basically the very. I don't want to say millennial because mm, I think it's pan-generational, mm. but the urge to just be like, we were not trained for this. Yeah. <laughs> there is a world-ending disaster and none of us saw this coming and we have no idea how to do this. Hmm. <laughs> so, could, we could relate to this maybe in our current... Maybe, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. bit. Yeah, just a, yeah. Just a smidge. Just a scotch. Um, I think that's a great... I think that's a great <laughs> description because I think what, what makes... Asundered Throne different is like you very much get the sense that all these characters who are amazing and are are fleshed out so <laughs> beautifully, like none of them really know what's going on to like, like to varying extents. Um, <laughs> some of them, some of them know a little bit more than others, but but still, there's there's like lots of forces at work. Um, yeah, yeah, they're as well as for informed as they can be, and it's just it's exactly. not enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is the best place to be in um, as as a reader of a novel. Um, I I think it's really fun to to be reading it and be like, oh, I you guys don't know what you're doing. This is so awesome. But at the same time, so so there's a lot of humor to it. Um, it's got everything. It's got humor. It's got romance. It's got political intrigue. It's got fun demons that talk to you in your head. Um, you know, it, I, I don't know what else you could possibly want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there is also like there's some there's some gravity to it as well, even though there there is humor. So that's it's nicely balanced. I think there's really something for everybody in it. And it's just you really the the world is so beautifully fleshed out. And one thing I wanted to ask you is um what part of what makes it unique is that it's based on like an alternate like Turkey Greece kind of situation. Yeah. Okay. And um so yeah the the geography is roughly based, so there's some upheaval in the geography based on um, events, uh, prior events, right. but it's basically uh, from Greece stretching through Iraq. Right. Right. Um, cool. Yeah. So kind of like Eastern, Southern Europe into the Middle East a little bit. Yeah. My, my geography is terrible. Um, yeah. So it's to... a slightly expanded 
Greek empire that held on longer than it had originally done so right uh, due to some supernatural events right oh i love it i love it it's so cool <laughs> the world is so rich and the characters are so good so we don't want to do we don't want to give any spoilers for mm. you know this book i mean you can give as many spoilers as you want it's your book <laughs> but i'm gonna try i'm gonna try not to um or as as few as possible but what i thought we could do because it is as you mentioned a multiple pov book sort of a la game of thrones that that or i should say uh, a song of ice and fire the uh, oh yeah. yeah you know um but remember those books <laughs> <laughs> i think i've heard of them yeah yeah fairly obscure yeah right? yeah, yeah like totally <laughs> i i know that was a deep cut but so so i thought we could go through some of the main characters that you've written um and and uh, I thought it could be fun um, to talk about, obviously, wine pairings for them. Mm -hmm. And then if you so could. So intrigued. I, I know. I, I thought of some <laughs> of them, but I, some of them we might have to like riff a little bit. And I'm curious okay. to, to hear your, Ooh, I'm excited your, for that too. your thoughts about <laughs> what you think these characters would drink. Um, <laughs> and and I thought it could be fun also because you have some excellent like casting ideas in like if you could mm. get your ideal cast i thought it could be fun like this is a way to do oh, a little absolutely. a little spoiler free like teaser like sure people yeah exactly exactly bring up my ideal cast right now while we're talking. yes yes sorry so. i just threw that at you eh. it it's a very good idea there's one i remember in particular because yeah, you, yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't originally get it right, and right, then I got it right. much better. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Okay, so let's start with the character that we start with in the book, and um, who I who I would who I would say if we had like a main character that it would probably be this character, um, even though it's shared amongst several. But mm -hmm. let's talk about Saruman. Yeah, my favorite. Um, okay, so so kind of, do you want to give like a, a a sort of background as to who Saruman is? Yes. So Saruman comes from the border between the two main nations that we talk about. Right. Uh, so she comes from a nation where magic is very much uh, not allowed. Right. Um, and she has gone to a cod, which is where this. Uh, the Circle of Magi is the the central yeah. uh, academy. Yeah. And she's studying there. Yeah. And when we meet her, she is one of several people who is going through a trial to see if she can bind the power of a half mortal, uh, like a half god, half mortal being. So cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an awesome opening. I just, just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, uh, does not turn out in the way either she or the half mortal hopes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, their their relationship is is one of my favorites in the book, and how oh, yeah. it, how it how it progresses throughout the book. I love it. Saruman Saruman is awesome. So she's kind of like our main magic figure in the book. Um, yep. and and so what did I think for her for? For wine. Okay. Um, I thought that uh, Saruman is definitely a rosé drinker. Like, 
Really? I think okay. I think so. Like I I I mean I want to hear your 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 thoughts too. I could be totally wrong because at first I was like, ooh, red wine. But then I was like, no, because Saruman kind of likes to party. Like uh, Saruman loves to party. Yeah, she parties all the time. So honestly, yeah. my my original thought was like Saruman drinks whatever. Yeah, I mean um. probably probably <laughs> she does. But the reason why the, I think I think rosé is her favorite because it's just like. Easy drinking, like fun, carefree, carefree. Yeah. But like a lot of people think, rosé is all just like sweet trash. It's not. There's really great rosés out there. By the way, this is a total sidebar. But the last time we spoke on pairing was about Mass Effect, and I mm-hmm. think you told me then about the wine called Garrus. Um, yes. Which is one of the <laughs> most expensive rosés that exists out there. And the wine <laughs> shop that I work at is now selling it. And <laughs> I have enough in my house account there because we get like a certain amount of like money per pay period or whatever in our little house account. Um, I now have enough to buy a bottle of the Garris yes. rosé. So I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> it's supposed to be amazing. Uh, yeah, I look forward to your review of it. Yeah, I would. I I I really look forward to. And I to look forward it. to making a whole bunch of really inappropriate jokes. Yes, at you about a- that. Absolutely. Yeah. You, there, there's. <laughs> it's just the possibilities are endless. Anyway, um, I haven't had that one yet, but I imagine maybe Saruman might like it. Um, yeah, she might. She might like it too. Yeah, she definitely uh, absolutely enjoys the finer things in life. She is unapologetically hedonistic, yes. which I love about her. Yes, yes, um, I love it. It's it's a fun contrast to have, um, you know, her her personality versus kind of what's been forced upon her and what she has to do. Um, it's a very fun kind of tension there, um, Yeah, which I love. Absolutely. And both of them coming to terms with the fact that they're very similar in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. It's not every day that you, you know, find camaraderie with a half, half God demon person. Oh yeah. yeah you know, absolutely. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it is, I don't, I wouldn't say it's very similar, but it reminds me a little bit of uh, from Good Omens between yes. Crowley and Aziraphale, where they're both they're both just like so far from the people that are supposedly running their worlds that they're like, now we have more camaraderie together than we do with our. Yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. I love it. I love it. OK, so then next, who should we talk about <laughs> next? Um, Let's go with Sada. Yes. I'm really interested about Sada. Oh, Sada. I had a hard time coming up with one for Sada. Um, so so I have an idea, but I want to I want to get your get your opinion. Oh, man. Because Sada Sada is so fun. He is. <laughs> he's one of the like most entertaining. Like when it's his POV, it's some of the funnest, most entertaining stuff in the book because he is just like talking about like somebody really not knowing what's going on he is very much like our lens into kind of the political intrigue of the world i think and it's just so fun to have him be like i don't know what's going on but a lot of people are gonna die if i don't figure (laughs) out what's going on (laughs) and i love i mean i i don't want to make light of this situation for yes, any of your viewers yes. but i 
I really do love there's a scene where he's trying to make a pros and cons list yeah killing himself yeah in yeah. a garden in public because yeah. he's pretty sure that's the only choice he has yeah yeah <laughs> so he's like going through the like well I wouldn't get tortured but on the other hand it would be unpleasant for everyone who's just like out here enjoying the garden right right so right. you know that wouldn't that would be rude of me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, Sada. What a sweetie. And he's also one of the characters that changed the most from the first draft I read to the next draft yes. I read, I would say. Um, both between just like his character development and his plot, um, his yep. story, um, which is awesome. Okay, so that all being said, um, <laughs> so my instinct for Sada. I don't know why, but it was Lambrusco. I thought that I think he would enjoy drinking Lambrusco. Um, yeah, because I I feel like he would make like a panic decision at the bar where he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like. I think in this case you are starting to get this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's worth saying I had an original head cast for yes. Sada, which was Omar Metwali, which is how I was picturing him originally. Right. And then um <laughs> Oh yes. <laughs> and then Emma suggested William Jackson Harper. Yep. <laughs> which is a surprisingly amazing head cast for Sada. That is and totally so... <laughs> what I'm thinking. Yes. I'm thinking of the panic cheating. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's very cheaty <laughs> from the And good so place. occasionally I do self-read stuff while I'm editing sure. in cheaty's intonation. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I love that. I love that so much. Um, I think that was definitely me projecting a little bit of <laughs> cheaty onto him. Um, but he is. He's not very... Uh, he's not someone that's gone out and partied a lot. He really yeah. does kind of like the familiar. Yeah. And... Ooh, I'm sorry. Just saying that, like, I I think also he would like he would be the one who would get like a really fruity cocktail at. Oh yeah. Like he's like my tai or like you know other like tiki bar drinks. Like that's his jam. I think I could totally see him in later books in the series just being like the world's ending. I'm yeah. gonna have a fun drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he deserves it. He he totally it. does. He's yes. such a good person. <laughs> he really is. He's he may be like the best person in the book. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Yeah, being yeah. There's some true. other there's some other like good people, but like he's 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 definitely a contender with the least uh, dirty hands. Yes, he's got good intentions. He's one of the <laughs> he's one of the uh, he's one of the few who has like pretty much purely good intentions. Yes. Even if um, it doesn't always work out the way he wants it to. Yes. And I don't know if this is, I don't think this is too spoilery. Yeah. Uh, basically one of his, his core principles is he was sent to kind of get the information necessary to touch off a war. And he's right. gone rogue in the fact that he's not willing to touch off the war yeah. simply based on an absence of information. And right. so he's, wandering around going rogue and getting into all of the spying stuff that he was not trained for because right. he's not willing to let this start exactly so he's, you know stringing the people along yeah. who sent him just like no no still looking yeah yeah an admirable an admirable quality in i would say mm -hmm. um so but i cut you off earlier i think you were gonna say oh, yeah. something about um maybe about what what you were thinking wine wise for him or i don't know yeah, I 
I really, I was almost thinking something in the realm of a like a Valpolicella. Ooh, yes. Um, I could see that because I could also see him like appreciating the finer things, and mm-hmm. and like Valpolicella is a great like food pairing wine. And yeah, yeah, because he is, you know, he's a diplomat. He's yeah, been yeah, in the upper circles for a while, and just sort of like, you know, I I drink and schmooze as part of my job. Yes. And I don't drink a lot, but when I do drink, I like it to be something good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually, I like that. I like that a lot. And something Italian does feel good for him. Like, yeah. Although I will say as someone who deeply loves Lambrusco. Yeah. I, I adore that. Yeah. That that's coming up here. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it had to, it had to make an appearance. Okay. Next. I, I don't I don't have the like your latest draft on me, so I don't know if you want to go through it in like yeah, let's order, order of appearance. Order of appearance. Would it be Kine next? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Kine. Okay, Kine, who's also a very good person, <laughs> <laughs> with um, a slightly more chaotic interpretation. Of <laughs> yes, yes. Who's who's kind of a good person who's like fighting against how good she is in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I would say she's trying to be less good or yep. in in some ways, in some ways. It's a little more yep. complicated than that, but but Kine Kine is great too. So she is I don't know if you want to give give the little like brief character breakdown for her. Yes. But... So Kine is very minor nobility. Right. Um her parents died when she was about 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, an older, very distant cousin came in as the steward of her estates mm-hmm. and was looking at her in a way that she did not approve of. Mm-hmm. So she up and went to court. So she's yeah. from the Greece area. And yeah. so she went to um, Istanbul is, is where Lagos is. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Which is one of the earliest things about her that we know, which is she presents as this very timid person, but at the same point, like wow when you were 14 you straight up moved somewhere you'd never been before yeah no contacts no friends because you were like no f this yeah and she sort of well very unwittingly becomes the favorite of the empress consort right and because she's not very courtly yeah um and so she's kind of this woman's only in a way friend although it's much more multi-layered than that yeah um yeah. and is trying to repay her kindness yes that's awesome um so and and kine is uh also another one of our like main lenses into into this mm-hmm. into this court and i would say okay so for kine at first my first thought was like oh she probably drinks like a white wine and then i was like no no Kine, or no, this is the story of Kine used to be a white wine drinker and now she's becoming a red wine drinker. Um, (laughs) Kine needed to get fucked up. Yes, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, But I was also thinking, I think that Pinot Noir is a really good wine for Kine because it's a little bit lighter. It can be it can be quite light and soft, but it can also have like pretty firm structure to it. So like the red burgundies, which are made from Pinot Noir, Ooh. those have a little bit more bite to them usually, a little bit more complexity and structure. Um, 
I had one the other day before I got the plague that um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was it was delicious. But I was remembering like red burgundies. They sometimes have this kind of like bitter savory note to them under Ooh, like yeah, the, I could see her loving that. Yeah, I, I think I think she likes a little bit of that bitterness, mm-hmm. even though she comes off as so kind of demure and sweet mm-hmm. at first at least at first yes um but except she's... for all the assassinations yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> except for all the murdering yeah you know yeah <laughs> she's really trying her best guys she really she's is trying to be a good person she's really trying but sometimes people gotta die yeah it's, it's just a thing it's just a thing <laughs> it's just a thing it's just a truth Okay, well then, speaking of, um, since you just mentioned the mm-hmm. Empress Consort, yes, let's talk about Vidanit, um, yes. who is a fabulous and terrifying figure. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not terrifying, at least not at first, but I feel like yeah. I don't want again. I don't want to give give spoilers, but um, but Vidanit, yeah. I would say, has the most secrets. Of anybody yes. that she's keeping, um, and we don't learn what she's doing really until the end of the book, which is awesome, mm-hmm. or at least part of what she's doing. We get some yep. reveals. So that's my that's my p- character pitch. <laughs> um, yeah. What what else would you add to it? Oh shoot! And then we should go yeah. back and 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 do the do ideal some of the casting. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I just totally forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mine for Kine keeps shifting around. Um, mm. I had, so there are very few characters in the book for whom their physical appearance is very mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the original person that I had for Kine was, uh, Gugu Mbatha-Ra. Oh, yes. 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 She's gorgeous. Um, and I could see carrying off the very complicated yeah oh no i'm i'm here being demure and i also have this backbone of steel yeah yeah no that i like that one a lot yeah i mean like does she look pure-blooded greek no she does not right is pure-blooded anything actually a real concept yeah no do i care not at all (laughs) listen i think i i one thing i am loving in in kind of new fantasy media Mm -hmm. in in television and film um is that they're they're doing more diverse casting because it's like yeah it's a fucking fantasy world so like yes black people exist you know like <laughs> well and simply also from the historical perspective looking back and being like, absolutely you no know, actually there are so many notable people of color from european right. courts in very early years right um that it it simply doesn't make sense it would be a political choice to not have any of those show right. up. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. I. Uh, I totally. I totally agree. Um, I'm trying to think who who I would who else I could think of for Kine. We'll 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 dwell on that. Okay. We talked about William Jackson Harper for Sada. For Sada. Um, for Saruman, I had thought Florence Pugh. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, I love Florence Pugh. She's. Yep. She's got that. Because you she's need got, a range. Yeah. For her. Yeah. And she's got that definite, definite range and that kind of humor as well. I'm I'm a huge Florence Pugh fan. Um, so I'm 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 here for it. 
Okay, so then Vidanit. Yes. This has is, actually changed yes, since my original yes. dream so casting. I think, and I think this might give you all the information that you need to know <laughs> about her to when you hear this uh, progression of <laughs> casting ideas. <laughs> yeah. So it started out um, as either Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. or Jennifer Hale. Queens. Um, yes. Which both of whom would yeah. absolutely work. I could almost see Charlize Theron working Mm, mm -hmm, as well mm -hmm. um but then i realized and went to two of my beta readers uh emma being one yeah oh my god it's shara agashlu yes (laughs) that's who it is like oh god yes 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 oh that voice (laughs) um is perfect she's uh i still need to catch up on the most recent season of the expanse but (laughs) i love her so much and so that being said See, now that you've mentioned Valpolicella, I feel like Valpolicella or Amarone could be a good one for her. Something very deep, deep red. Um, So I was also thinking like a Syrah (laughs) could work for her, like something a little bit meatier and um, with a little bit more kind of savory notes to it. But I think Valpolicella's... And Amarone, which is like the the Mondo Valpolicella, um, <laughs> uh, has has some of that that kind of savoriness to it, while not being it's like more red fruit as opposed to Syrah's a little bit more kind of like purple blue fruit to it, mm. which it, I think both both could work, both could work, but something something a little deeper and darker for her. Yeah, I feel like if you asked her what she wanted to drink, she yeah. would just give you a completely blank look. Yeah. But if you gave her like poor quality wine, yeah. she would just be completely shocked because yeah. she's very much someone who is bases a huge amount on her her status and who she is. And so it's just like, no, I, right. I'm used to this wine that I drink, which I don't really pay much attention to because yeah. I'm just trying to do a whole bunch of spoilery things that we're not yes. going to talk about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly. like, I know what I'm worth and I know what I should, yeah. you know, be drinking. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's really accurate. Like she wouldn't, she wouldn't know what the wine is that she likes, but she knows <laughs> what she likes, you know, yep. and she knows what she doesn't like. Um, yes, probably also. Yeah, she wouldn't she wouldn't say anything about the bad wine. She would just have a a very subtle look that would make you feel ashamed down right. to your very bones. Yes, yes. <laughs> yep, definitely. Definitely. OK, cool. Who should we do next? Should we do should we hop over to uh, Pathan or. Well, let's do Fastos. Let's first. do Fastos first. OK, great. Yeah. Great. Yes. For whom I. Dreamcast is Tom Hardy. Nice. I don't know. It nice. just works. Yeah, I, I, I definitely can see Tom Hardy. I think um, when I was reading it, I pictured more of a Michael Fassbender. But um, oh, that could work. But um, but some something in that wheelhouse, I feel like mm-hmm. would would work. Um, okay, so Fastos, do you want to give a little? Yes. So Fastos is pretty legendarily devoted to the throne yes. to both Mahat and Vidanit. Now Mahat, of course, being Vidanit's husband, the actual emperor. Right. 
who has been gone for long enough that now everyone's wishing they had asked why sooner because it's too awkward to ask at this point. Yeah, he's he's MIA. Yeah, he's MIA. <laughs> and it's like it's gone on. And nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and Fastos is one of the three people ish who knows what's going on. Right. Um so he has won a couple of pretty epically brutal wars yeah including against a rebellion right which we will hear more about and is uh he's noble born Mm -hmm. but runs the the avzoni which are the royal guard Mm -hmm. and decided to stay within the avzoni when he unexpectedly became the heir of his family and could have you know gone back out right and so he's sort of a legend with them too because Right. He's noble born, but kind of one of them. So he's he's kind of our our military leader in yep. um in in this world. And for him, what did I what did I come up with? Ooh, um, sticking kind of Italian, not kind mm-hmm. of totally Italian. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I thought that Nebbiolo could be a good one for Fastos. Never had Nebbiolo. Have you ever had a, a Barolo or Barbaresco or Barbaresco? I think that's but... a, Nebbiolo is the grape of of those regions. That's what it's most mm-hmm. famous for, and you'll find it elsewhere in the world. But it's pretty much just from Piedmont, which is um, this wine region in northwest Italy that's considered probably considered the best wine of Italy. Um, technically. What's cool about Nebbiolo is that it's pretty, relatively speaking, it's like usually light to medium bodied, but really strong tannins. Um, mm. So so it's this, it's this interesting balance, sort of like conundrum of like, you, you don't expect it to be so tannic because it's a f- relatively light red wine but it had mm-hmm. it has some really strong tannins to it um again depending on like how it's made where it's from exactly but but that but that kind of feels right to me cuz he's he's definitely and and what we see him doing for the most part is he puts up a pretty tough front um yep. and but he's kind of a teddy bear inside I don't know about a teddy bear, but <laughs> but not, he's... not so much a teddy bear is like yeah. what whatever. I feel like there's not a sort of a papa bear. Yeah, connotation like there is with mama bear, but like there's a little bit of that. Going he definitely on. has a little bit of papa bear vibes, um, mm-hmm. kind of like as you were mentioning to the Evzoni and some other people. He's he's sort of yes. a a father figure, kind of I think. Yeah, he's discovering his fatherly side, which is, um, it's probably the worst time for him to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's not a great time. (laughs) Not a great time. But, you know. (laughs) Um, Also, yeah, if you had to ask me what kind of wine does Fastos drink, I would have just said a lot of wine. Yes, he does drink a lot of, we do see him drink a lot of wine. Canonically. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which actually, that makes me think of when I was... Um, in Europe with my best friend, like, oh gosh, almost 10 years ago now. Um, and we were like staying at hostels and stuff. And one of the hostels in in Florence, we stayed at, I think the hostel owner, like his dad 
ran a vineyard or something. And so he would just bring us like pitchers of wine, which at the time I didn't know what it was. But in retrospect, it was probably Sangiovese or something like that. Um, And so I think, you know, whatever whatever he can get pitchers of. Um, mm. which probably yeah, that sounds about right. Which probably wouldn't be Nebbiolo, um, since it's I don't know. He's, yeah, he's noble born. He's the head of the actually. That's the fair. commander of the Epsomi. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, he can get as much Nebbiolo <laughs> as he wants. Yeah, lucky guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, who should we who should we do next? We. Yeah, we could go to Pathen if you wanted. Yes, um, Pathen. Sorry, there's a few different directions we could go from here. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, we could either like get everybody else in Lagos. Yeah, let's hop. Let's hop. Let's hop. Pathen's because... an interesting introduction into the other set of. Yeah, yeah, because for the most part, other than Saruman, and maybe a couple other characters, but for the most part, we're either in Lagos, which is where we've been talking about. For the most part, which mm-hmm. is basically, as you said, like Istanbul, mm-hmm. um, and then um, the other main kind of royal court—I don't know if you would call it royal court—but main political power mm-hmm. is in Malatya. Is that correct? Is that yes? Is... Uh, I've been pronouncing it Malatya, but Malatya. I have no idea. It's in modern-day Turkey, and it's uh, in geography. Great that is not quite what modern day Turkey has again, because some of the events of the last Sunday, but, but this is further East in, Mm -hmm. in this world. So the main, the first main lens that we get there is Pathen. You said, Mm -hmm. I've mostly just read these, these names. So this is going to be a part, this is actually me, (laughs) me learning how to pronounce everything for the audiobook. Um, (laughs) Um, most for, for the most part, I'm I'm hang I'm, on, yeah. nice, nice. Um, uh, but so Pathen is a really interesting character, and mm-hmm. um, and also one who undergoes a a, a pretty big wow, yeah, like a radical, yeah. One of the parts of the drafting process was moving some events from further on in her story, yeah, earlier into yeah. this one, and they really do fit very nicely. Which I think, which I think is a good choice, yeah, because we we get a little bit more of her of her interior life, and and so how would you describe her? And also, who was your who was your dream casting for her? Elle Fanning? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, yes. that could... that's very much how I picture her. She's got this sort of the very not exactly demure innocent more and then deeply determined and yeah. deeply capable um naive maybe is a yeah little bit. like she starts out a little naive and then yeah she doesn't question very much she um yeah is the daughter of the former steward mm-hmm. in the castle right um and so she's currently the servant to one of the people that's running the coup right um so the coup uh which speaking one of, of our, yeah <laughs> yeah you know so there's a coup yeah there's actually theoretically two coups it kind of depends mm, mm-hmm. or possibly three if you count whoa that's spoilery um <laughs> i'm trying i can't even remember what that one would um Thiva, malatia and then um uh i'm going to put this in chat yeah yeah there we go yeah Listeners, you'll you'll know soon, maybe, if you read the book. Ha ha ha. 
Yeah. You'll have to read to find out. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, good point. Good point. Yes. So the coup, um, there was a coup about five years ago mm-hmm. um, or a coup attempt uh-huh. uh, from Malatia and the Duke that was running it got himself uh, dead yeah. and sent back beheaded in a box to his daughter who um, somewhat understandably is holding a grudge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. You know, I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and as part of trying to subjugate Malatia, yeah. Uh, Vidonet and her husband sent back Miros, who is Vidonet's nephew, right, to marry Isolt, who yes. is the the daughter of the now dead Duke. Yeah, sort of like the crown is watching. Yes, etc. And uh, Isolt did not just go with the flow on this one. Yeah, and is now running a rebellion with him. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yep. And Pathan is her her servant. Right. Um, who's involved in a fairly twisted situation with yes. both of them. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, it's it's yeah, there's definitely some some toxicity going on oh, yeah. in Malatya. But Pathan, uh Pathan's good. I mean Yeah. She's probably the person who gives Sada a run for his money at being the yes. best person. In the yes. Again, best intentions. But she's yep. she's a little less, believe it or not, a little less savvy, and um, mm-hmm. at least to start out, uh, I think. Yeah, and she doesn't really question anything she's told. Kind of goes with the flow, and then once she starts to uh, question things, it's an immensely uncomfortable process yes. for her. Yes, but also she views it in a it's very think outside the box, but unintentionally so right right so my wine pairing for her is probably the one i feel the best about but it's also the most niche um, (laughs) and very specific to my own personal experience which is we were selling this wine at the store that i'm working at um and it's made from a grape claret claret which is (laughs) confusing because it's not claret which is another word for bordeaux (laughs) um, but it's claret c-l-a-i I-R-E-T-T-E. Um, and it's from southern France. And I had, and it's actually kind of cool. Um, the, the particular one we had is from a producer called George Bertrand. And it's kind of cool. It's in these kind of faux clay amphora bottles, which is meant to mimic um, how wine used to be made and stored in, in amphora. Which is kind of which is kind of cool, but it's like ten dollars a bottle, and so I had this elitist preconception against it <laughs> that it was not going to be good. I also imagined it would be like a pretty full-bodied white and would be like kind of flabby, um, not like not a lot of acidity or brightness to it. But then I tasted it for the first time again right before I got the plague, and it was delicious, and it was like. Mm-hmm actually very bright and had really nice acidity to it and had like a little bit more kind of citrus fruit to it. And so I think that that's one that Pathan would not only like to drink, but kind of her journey is like my journey 
um, yeah. uh, <laughs> learning to get past some stuff and um and and rather than just assuming that something is one way actually try it and find yes. that it's another way um interesting so, yes again I just tried it so it was on my mind, but um, mm-hmm. but I, I like that one for her. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, it's it's definitely niche, but it's um, also Clarette is just like a pretty name for, for a grape, yeah. I think. And um, I think she'd appreciate it, but I'm open to other ideas if you think. What immediately came to mind for yeah. me with her was ice wine. Ooh, nice. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She definitely appreciates like a nice sweet wine. Um, I think she sweet with a burn. Yeah, it works. Definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Like, I bet she likes sherry too. Probably a little bit, a little bit of sweetness, like a little fortified wine. Um, Mm -hmm. I think she'd be super into that as well. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so then we mentioned some of the other characters. um, And we let's if we could just talk about Isolt, is that that's how you're you're pronouncing yeah, it? Yeah, right? I'd pronounce the the T a little bit. Isolt. Isolt. Um, Isolt. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Uh, this is also also a, a little topical because it's something I had recently. But not only does it look kind of like this, um, but uh, mm-hmm. just in terms of how it's spelled, but Merceau, which is mm-hmm. a which is a very high end region of white Burgundy. It can be red too, Ooh, but it's usually okay. white Burgundy. Um, at first, I was like. Isol, Mersol. Uh, it makes <laughs> sense. But then I was like, wait, no, she would absolutely drink this wine. Um, Isolt would drink Merceau. Oh, yeah. Um, she strikes me as a woman uh, who, like Vidanit, expects good things, but she mm-hmm. would know what to ask for when her servant is like, what, oh, wine, what wine do you want to drink? She's like, Merceau this vintage yeah she's, like <laughs> less she wasn't born to the throne she is gunning for the throne yeah and so she is like yeah she knows exactly what she wants yep yep she's a little mm-hmm. uh, she's a she's a really cool character um she's one who is a little scary um i would mm. say i would say for sure oh absolutely and like you said there's some there's some sort of twisted stuff going on in there a little bit yeah, the way I uh, described her originally uh, in the Dreamcasting thread was she cares less. Like, yeah. she cares a lot about winning, yeah. but she still doesn't care as much about winning as she does about her enemies losing. Mm, yes, that that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Vengeance, revenge is important yep. to her. And we learn in book two, and I'm not sure I've actually told you this, I might but we know. learn how what lengths she has gone to to make sure that nothing is going to get in the way of this. Okay. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. (laughs) And, but at the same time, like you said, like you can't help but feel like, feel some empathy for her. You know, she's not like a, a two dimensional, like she's not like the villain of the story. No, Um, she's like somewhere between 18 and 20 when her dad comes back dismembered in a box and she is presented with someone she can only assume is her enemy and told that he's going to be her husband. Right. Right. You keep her in line. Right. Like explicitly to keep her in line. So yeah, you can see where she's coming from. <laughs> right. Right. She's also one of the 
few characters that we don't get her perspective, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, at least not in this book. So that's that's also kind of exciting because you don't really know everything that's What's going, going on. on in her head. Yes, um, and I imagine that was on purpose on your behalf. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am super excited for the second book. But yes, and then so she is married to, as we mentioned, Miros. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Who's just like Mr. Hotsy Totsy. And <laughs> yeah, like he's, he definitely has an appreciation of like things just go right for him. Yeah. And it's annoying to be around him, but also yeah. can't help but like him because right. he's super charismatic and it just like right. it gets very confusing. Yes. Um, but yeah, um, for him, I thought um, he probably drinks mostly sparkling wine. Um, probably yeah I feel like he's like he's like a champagne drinker and I don't think he's like snobby about it necessarily maybe he is I don't know I don't know but he he it's part of his like charm and charisma is he can kind of get along with everybody and so like he'll 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 drink some prosecco like that's fine but but he likes he likes his he likes the good stuff yeah he has a lot of ambition and he's someone for whom like he his personality needs an audience and yes. so he's always looking for an audience that's going to adore him yes yes um and we also don't get his perspective in this no we do not but we do get Astinian. Astinian. okay that was how that was how i was saying it in my mind but it could have been like Astinian or something but, <laughs> but i like Astinian. Astinian, who's like his uh Right, it is man. heavily implied, and I'll, I'll put this yeah, in as yeah, canon. Uh, yeah. They are half brothers. Great, um, great, yes. So Miros's father had a kid with a serving girl, and that's Astinian. Yes. Yes. And they've always been super close. And right. Astinian is, I think, understandably yes bitter about mm-hmm. the fact that they share almost exactly the same blood and almost exactly the same face. Yeah. And yet, like, <laughs> he's riding on Miros' coattails, basically, totally. this whole time. Totally. And one of my favorite lines in the book is where he's talking, Astinian is talking about the fact that, like, really, the only thing he respects about Isolt is yeah. how vengeance-minded she is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I, I really I do. Like, it. she carries yeah. a grudge, and I absolutely respect that. Nothing else about her but that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um I'm an Astinian stan. Um, oh yeah. Say that say that ten times fast. <laughs> um, but but I remember because my my friend Sarah was also a beta reader on this, and I think she did not like him. Not not and like she didn't like how he was written, but just like didn't like. And I understand why one may not like him, um, or may not he's an acquired taste. Yeah. And, or yeah. yeah, he's not as much of a monster as you would necessarily think. But right is also not going to tie himself in knots about philosophically what's good or bad. Right, so. right. He's kind of, <laughs> I part of why I, I like him and like his perspective is it's, um like you said, he's kind of got this bitter, almost sarcastic tone to him, um, which I always just enjoy those kinds of characters. Um, <laughs> and um, But I'm also excited for him and his journey going forward and where because he could go in a lot of different directions. 
Okay, so for those three, did we talk about who your ideal casting for Salt would be? I don't uh, think we did. I think did. it would be either Emma Watson or Kristen Stewart, Ooh. both of whom I believe have a lot more acting range than they are generally given credit Ooh. for. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, that's definitely not quite how I picture her. But yeah, she's just canonically described as being beautiful with dark hair and green eyes. Right. And that's right. kind of it. Yeah. Okay. I'll think I'm trying to think if if I have any yeah. other any other thoughts. I don't think anything like springs to mind necessarily. Uh... I can definitely see Emma Watson and I could I could come around. I'm coming around on Kristen Stewart. So <laughs> so so I could see I could definitely see that, too. Um, and then, and then with Miros and Astinian, I think I actually again um, may have made my own headcanon suggestion for these two. Yeah, and I can't remember what you'd suggested I because think... I'd suggested Sebastian Stan as Miros. Yes, so and I... you were like, no, I think he's Astinian. <laughs> yes, I said he's Astinian, and Ben Barnes is Miros. <gasps> oh yes, yes, that could definitely work. Yes, that ben was Bonds. My... Ben Bonds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. Um, also now, because um, I just read uh, I just read something that said that um, apparently Andrew Garfield had been up for the role of Prince Caspian in the Chronicles of Narnia like 12 years ago, but they didn't give it to him because he wasn't handsome enough, quote unquote, and they gave it to Ben Barnes. Yeah, I, I don't know. Weird. Yeah, very weird. But so I could also see Andrew Garfield as uh, as Estinian. I think I'm picturing Astinian as older. As older, um, okay. Older than Miro, so like okay. at least in his early third. Oh, no. Andrew Garfield's no, like 40. He's just, he's just. I'm sorry, a, no, he's yeah. 14. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. He's just got a very youthful. He's like Paul demeanor. Rudd. He will never age. Exactly. Um, Ooh, Paul Rudd's another good one for Fastos. Um, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Kind of. Boy. <laughs> the the pandemic made all of us look old and haggard and made yeah. Paul Rudd look like a silver fox. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. If we're doing Ben Barnes as one of the two, Charlie yeah. Cox could be the other one because oh, they play yes. father and son in Stardust yes. and they've got the... Yes. I think Charlie Cox would actually be a really good Astinian too. Mm-hmm. I think they could both do both. Yeah. But... but um. I don't know. Maybe it's because Charlie Cox played Daredevil, but so I, I kind of picture. Yeah, that kind of. I love the uh, the assessment of Stardust as the film with such an amazingly <laughs> looking cast that uh, Henry Cavill was the <laughs> was the jerk. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. No, I love that. I love that. But yes, I think I think all of those could work. But definitely, like in the tall, dark, and handsome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And oh, and I didn't come up with a wine pairing for Astinian, um, but I'm trying to. I'm thinking something really harsh. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking maybe like Cab Franc or something, but not one of the like pretty ones, one of the really dirty ones. Um, (laughs) Like, are there any Greek reds that are. Yeah. Ooh. You'd think I'd know this, but like. The Greek reds, the Greek reds that I know. I mean, if you want to talk about harsh, there's Retsina, which is not not a red wine. It's a white wine, but it's um, known for being very kind of astringent and having a very strong note of pine to it. Um, that could be a good one for Astinian, at least for the first book. 
Retsina is one that is very divisive. Like people tend to either hate it or love it. Oh my gosh, I should have been thinking more Greek wines. Just just a general shout out to Assyrtiko, which is uh, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, white wines from Greece. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like uh, Isolt could drink Assyrtiko too. She would like that. Yeah. She would like that. Yeah, she could definitely um, get that as an acquired taste via Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And canonically, she drinks white and he drinks red. Okay. Um, it's just like a throwaway line. Yeah, but... yeah. So they're, they're, the the Greek red that I know that comes to mind, um, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it, but it's Ioritiko. Here, I'll type it in here. Maybe you you know how to pronounce it better than I do. A Georgitiko. A Georgitiko. Okay. Yeah. Great. A Georgitiko. I think that could be a good one for Miros as well. Okay. Um, it's not the ones that I've had. There, it's not like particularly harsh. They're pretty mellow, but they're really nice. Um, so I could see that. I could and he def- definitely likes the finer things. It's one of the yeah. reasons he sticks it out with Miros. Definitely. Like... Definitely. Cool. Okay. I think the only people. Let's see. We've missed Meka and Denarian. Yes. And Euranthe. Oh yes, that's right, Euranthe. I forgot she is. She was a. She was a late addition. Yeah, and she's awesome. I mean, she's an <laughs> awesome character. What she brings to the story is awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, let's do. Do you want to do Meka? Is that how you? Yeah. Say it, Meka. That's how I pronounce it. Okay. And I always pictured her as uh, Haley Steinfeld. I love it. I love it. Um, I picture her as, <laughs> this is going to be very different. Um, I picture her as, oh my God, Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, okay. So very different, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I think canonically she was quite short because okay. she was, that was part of her backstory was that um, she yeah. was small enough that she got picked on a whole bunch. Right. Um, but she's easily one of my favorite characters I've ever written because she yeah. is like, and I don't mean. I want to be really careful how I say this. Yeah. But she is so immune to being a victim. Mm-hmm. Like there is just nothing that she's not willing to walk away from if she yeah. doesn't like it. And yeah. she just kind of accepts how things are, but in this very, yeah. Yeah. yeah I no, <laughs> I, I, I get that. No, I, I, I love her too. She's, She's a really striking character. And because of that, I was thinking, you know, she deserves like a pretty bold wine. Um, and so I was thinking Cabernet Sauvignon for her, mm. um, which but like a Bordeaux Cabernet Sauvignon, like something kind of with a little earthiness to it, because mm. I think she's she comes off as one of like the strongest, most steadfast characters, I think. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, a soldier. She's one of the Evzoni. Um, yeah. And she is going to do exactly what's supposed to be done. But she's yeah. there because she likes fighting. She in no yeah. way buys into all of the fancy for yeah. God and country type. <laughs> yeah. No. And, um, and that definitely feels like something and where she like respects Fastos as well. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And like and like she's there because like she likes what she does and she likes him. OK. And um, yeah. 
and and that's why she's there. She's not really like rather than being there for Vidonit. Um Yeah, and she's uh she's a lot like a Stinian in mm-hmm. one way. There's um one scene where you see the similarities between Yes, them. yes. Um, well, a couple scenes actually. Because he has a callback later. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's she's fun. Um mm-hmm. and then yeah, I think last but not least, it's Denarian. Right? D- Denarian? Mm-hmm. I pronounce it Denarian, but Denarian. Denarian. Great. And I've had a hell of a time casting him in my head. Yeah. Like Ooh, I thought of one. Oh, yes. Um, okay. Wait. I can't remember his name. Uh, but it's have you seen Vikings the show? Oh, I have not, but I It's it's um see. the guy who plays Travis Fimmel's son, who the grown-up version of his son. Um and I think he's now on that wrestling show. Uh Marco Islo? No. Oh. Alexander Ludwig. Alexander Ludwig. Yes. <laughs> yes, he plays Bjorn Lothbrook on oh sure obviously um but yeah if you look at him he's kind of got like a really boyish face mm, and okay he's, and he's blonde definitely that definitely a himbo type um yeah because he's like there's a little bit of the like, himbo with denarian there's a little bit of a himbo <laughs> with denarian um and and um but he's like jacked so um that's that that's my fan casting fan um, casting yeah yeah um and now one of the the things that we we do see so this is not really a spoiler but uh yeah. he and saruman grew mm-hmm. up in the same town and so yes. have deep and abiding crushes on each other yes and a sort of a love-hate relationship yes we uh we get flashbacks of them each in the other story even though they never meet in this book um so that's very fun um it's fun to see like how the yeah, like how all the people kind of come in into and out of each other's lives um, mm-hmm. and how everything is connected. Because in a cast of characters that's this big in a world that's this sprawling, um, you can kind of be like, wait, what does this have to do with this? And I think you do a really good job of like tying everything together. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Oh, and uh, Denarian, wine for him. Um, Whatever your rant I feeds him. <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much oops um i said uh i said uh i think sauvignon blanc's a good one for him mm-hmm. like i think he's i think similarly like he's someone who will kind of drink whatever's there like i don't think he like has... he doesn't care as much um i'd say the one caveat to that because yeah um so Freya, his sister is right. um one of saruman's good friends and is at the Mage Academy with Saruman. Right. Um, and so they both, Denarian and Freya, mentioned the fact that like they're a merchants, they're merchants' children. And so oh, right. mm-hmm. they know what the best of everything sure. is and how to gauge sure. it. But I wouldn't say he puts too much stock on that. And in fact, yeah. has endured yeah. quite a lot of um social pressure due to his background right so he probably would make a show of not going for the expensive thing yeah unless you were alone yeah i think that's a good description yeah Mm -hmm. he drink he drink whatever the other evzoni are drinking Mm -hmm. whatever whatever it might be but secretly he likes sancerre um (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> something like you know really expensive and rare and yeah just, like yeah yeah he's got like a bottle of it stashed away but he won't tell anybody <laughs> about it <laughs> yes i love it oh and then Euronthe. Mm-hmm. um i didn't th- i didn't uh think of one for her it's just it's not because she's not the one who drinks it it's yeah it's something high alcohol content and it's what she gives her marks who are right in this case sada and denarius yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah yeah she she's the one probably feeding sada those like tiki drinks like the oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like really yeah, deceptively high uh uzo gets a shout out oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> definitely uzo yeah she yeah. keeps whatever you know she probably has a bottle of absinthe to like for really really dire scenarios <laughs> when you just gotta get someone fucked up real quickly real quickly <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yes so she uh as we've been hinting at uh She's a person at court who clearly has uh, ulterior motives. And mm-hmm. uh, and like I said, she's not necessarily the most likable of characters, but it is very entertaining to get uh, her perspective on things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do honestly love the relationship she has with her husband yes i love that too Um, yeah which is a surprising thing to say once you've read through the whole book yeah but because you go through a phase where you're like oh god yeah Um, Yeah. (laughs) but actually they they really do respect each other yeah they have this good relationship yeah they they (laughs) have a pretty healthy relationship Uh, not with anyone else not with with anybody but with each other yes (laughs) 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 oh my goodness um awesome Okay, well, I think that's, I mean, there's other characters too, but those are the big ones. The big ones, yeah. And um, and I hope that that has gotten people excited for this book. Um, It's, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for it to come out. Knock on wood, I'm so excited to uh, do the, do the audiobook. Now I know how to pronounce all the names, so I'm ready. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We got this. We got it. We got it. So, um, obviously, we want to promote the Kickstarter, which is still still going um, as of mm-hmm. the time that this is released. Hopefully, by the time it's released, you'll have met your goal and we'll, we'll just mm-hmm. be going for the stretch goals at this point. For the stretch goals. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, um, there's, there's definitely a link to that in the show notes of this episode. And is there anything else that you want to mention before before yeah let's see yeah it is the the first in a set of four okay great it's about it's easily twice the length of most novels um yeah it's 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 long which is but i say that in a good way how long it needed to be yeah Um, no it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's (laughs) like it's it doesn't feel like it's long but it is because yeah it's uh one of those things where I, you know, went through and I kept being like, well, I should aim for here. I should aim for below there. And it just wasn't fitting in that timeline. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, um, I, I feel like where this book ends is perfect. 
And it, that's a hard thing to do when you've got the, these many moving pieces. Yes. And right at the start of book two, actually, is where, so about, I want to say, 10 to 15% of the way into book two is where I originally started my first concept mm. of this story. Oh, wow. So, oh, yeah. Cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's a good question to maybe mm-hmm. end on. How did you first conceive of this? Uh, this is actually uh, two different stories. Oh. One was just Kine. Oh, wow. The character who's now Kine. Yeah. And one was Sarah and Denarian. Aha. And they got the lore from both of them complemented each other so yeah. much that I started yeah. revising it. And That's awesome. Yes. I love that. I love that. I, I just, I'm always curious as to people's creative process and like how you build a world in a story like this. Because it feel it all very much feels of a piece and like, you know, the lore is connected. Um, so so that's awesome. I love that. I love I, I love that it came together. Yes. Uh, yeah. Originally, um, Kine's story went through a several versions, one of which was a like a French setting Ooh, and one of which yes. was uh, vaguely Russian, actually. Ooh. I could see um, that. I could see that. And then settled and um and I love it where it is. Yeah. Um, but her her relationship to the coup mm. is at the heart of that mm. and Sarah mm-hmm. and Denarian's relationship to the unfolding demon invasion yeah. is right. at the heart of theirs. And yeah, they really do neither of them on their own was a full story. And uh-huh. so uh-huh. Well, it it works. It all works together. The rebellion and the demon army. And mm-hmm. it really it really helps put things in perspective, you know, because there's a while where we're just looking at the political intrigue of it all. And then you're like, oh wait, Sermon's like fighting off this demon oh yeah horde. oh cool <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah and there's this very like if you I mean if you're listening to this podcast and you're uh, a fan of of Emma's work I'm assuming yeah. you are also a fan of uh Dragon Age and Mass Effect probably and yes a, a great deal of the like we all need to stop doing this petty bickering because there is some serious shit that's about to go down yeah. and a whole bunch of other people being like, no, no, we like the petty bickering. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to keep doing it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Um, well, I am so excited. Um, I can't wait for, um, can't wait for the book to come out and uh, for everybody to read it. Cause it's so good. And I don't know. Is there anything else, anything else you wanted to oh, touch I- on? our plug i think we i think we've that's all uh i will be posting updates for each of the characters as we go through the days so if awesome there was anyone here who really sparked your interest uh i will be posting about them on the kickstarter updates amazing amazing yes and you've got great like character mood boards and music and it's it's awesome it's super awesome. Um, oh, there is one project I know that you're working on that <laughs> is unrelated to this one, but I don't know if you wanted to plug indie ghostwriting just, oh, just yes. to, you know, get some people on board there. 
Yeah, actually, because that's uh, been part of the history of this. Um, yeah. Is I uh, ghostwrite for other self-published authors. Yeah. Um, and kind of my wheelhouse for years was being the person who was writing the projects that they just had so much on their plate that they would never have time to write all of it. Right. Um, and so since uh, 2015, I've written over 70 novels. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's crazy. And without that, I would not have been able to do this book. That was, yes. you know, a huge grounding in the the skill set that I needed. Absolutely. Um, and I've now started uh, a website called IndieGhostwriting.com and it's blogging about the lessons of ghostwriting in terms of writing yeah. and then helping other people get into either finding a ghostwriter or being a ghostwriter. And yeah, um, yes, uh, it, we'll, we'll add that to the show notes as well. And yes. feel free to hop on over. Yes, I highly recommend subscribing. Um, even if you're not a writer, um, as I'm, I'm like a very amateur writer. Um, but, but I, but just as a creative person, it's it's fascinating to read, and I think really, really valuable lessons in there. So everybody, sign up for indie ghostwriting. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And yes, enjoy if you read. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, Philippa Moira. Um, <laughs> this has been a delight as always. Um, here's hoping that, uh, the Kickstarter goes smashingly and, uh, and we'll all be reading this book in just a little while. Yep. April is when it comes out, unless you back it on Kickstarter, in which case you do get it early. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on again. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. We're not actually drinking, but cheers. Yes. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Till next time. It's the middle of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm still getting over COVID, so I'm yeah. You know, not <laughs> not not boozing it up today. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.